Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we discuss every single Bare Naked Lady song from 7 to Y. And tonight I have with me Heidi and Betsy. Welcome, ladies. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. And also a cat in the background. Not sure who that is, but. That's Griswold. He's uh, settling in for the night. <laughs> um, but you know what? Aaron and Stefan, like, didn't didn't show up tonight they were supposed to be here i don't know what happened but you know what i if if i said something to make you mad guys i i take it back (laughs) (laughs) for those of you who have never heard this song before here's a brief snippet of tonight's song save me from a villainous imagination deliver me from my friends if I said something to make you mad, I will take it back. Uh, you know what? Well, we'll go on without him for tonight. And I can't ask anyone what album this is on because everyone that's here knows that <laughs> this is off from Blam. Like, obviously. Blam! 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 And because it's off Blam, it's an Ed and Steven song. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but they they don't play this very much. Why? Well, it's a shame. I like it. I don't know. Like they have only ever played this fourteen times live. Wow, that seems really low. Yeah, and it's not like they won't play it without Steve. They've played it four times since Steve left. So it's not like, hey, we won't play this without Steve. Mm. It's just they don't play this song. I don't I don't get it. Maybe it's because of the topic it's about. I don't know. What do you think it's about then? Are we going to go there? I would love to go there. But sh- do you want to go there first? We can go there first. You want to do that or you want to do breakdown? Okay. Well, let's do the breakdown then, because I want to hear about this because I have a feeling that this might not be in a normal time signature. I was, I was actually trying to count while I was doing this, like yeah, it's some the, weird like sixteen four or something. I it's thought weird. it was like seven no, eight, seven four. four. No, it's it's. Yeah. I think it's still in four. Is it? Yeah, it's hard enough to notice four. One and two and three and four and Maybe one. Maybe it's just the guitar in the back that kind of it's is the piano. Like a, or yeah, the piano in the back. The, the notes the Artists piano was playing. Because I was counting and two and three and four and one. It sounds and like the the piano is doing harder still to react to three four one two three four one two. okay right. is one and two and three and four so it's a slow four well is kevin playing something different with it because he's going one two three four five six one two three four five six one two, no three, he's going do 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 one and and two and it's a it's an arpeggiated he's arpeggiating the chords out okay but it's not a different time signature it does fit in it's just the that the the um rhythm that kevin is playing 
fits into the other, but it, it does sound way more complicated than it, it is. does. And, yeah. and I think that piano has a lot to do. And I love Kevin's piano in this. It is some of his best work. Like, I, I know that in concert, this is one of those songs that he played. He has the keyboards and the piano out or the two keyboards out at the same time and is playing them with two separate hands. And it is phenomenal when he because what he is doing on this and the notes that he is playing that are so similar. But you can tell that they're, he has to be playing them on separate instruments because they overlap each other. Or he recorded mm. one set. But if they maybe that's why they don't play this live is because I. I can't imagine it would be easy for him to play that. Yeah. And when Ed is playing it. It's actually really not hard. It, really? No, it's with, not. It's really not. The, it sounds more challenging. than. Okay. It. I will believe you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I saw Ed trying to play it on the guitar during the bathroom sessions. And he was, uh, he was really strumming away. <laughs> yeah, he was busy. I mean, for an for a pianist, it's not really it's it's arpeggio. You're like um, there are lots of arpeggiation exercises that are very similar to what Kevin is doing at the beginning. So you're very used to those patterns. Mm. So it's not as challenging. It would be like scale patterns in a piece where you hear a lot of but you, it's like, oh my gosh, it sounds so hard. All it is is scales, just really fast. Okay, so so is he playing? Because it sounds like for he's playing... For non-musicians, it sounds challenging. It, <laughs> it sounds like he's playing, and maybe this is what arpeggiate means, I don't know. Um, he's playing the same... Arpeggiate like, is when notes. you take a chord and you go, instead of doing this, you're doing this. Okay, yes. So he's splitting so up. He's splitting, breaking it into the individual parts and playing them separately. Okay, yeah, that's what, and I love that he's doing that. Like he he goes up, he goes down. He's playing these chords along it, but he's breaking it into the composite notes. That's he he's uh, what do they call that when they do that with uh, with a uh, with food? Um, <laughs> deconstructing. Yeah, sort of. Like, I, there's a special name, but yeah, it's kind of deconstructing it, and I, I like that that arpeggiation yeah I, it's a nice arpeggiation it's it's some nice work there that he's doing all right i'll let you do the real breakdown now <laughs> okay so the real breakdown is that uh this is in the key of g it's very very simple there are only four chords used in the song that's it four um it is about 174 beats per minute um at the quick tempo so if it's Again, it, I would say that it's half because um, they do take it slow, but it sounds faster than it is. Okay. Uh, it is, of course, on Baron Lake, the ladies are mean. Uh, it is four minutes and one second because you know that one second is important. <laughs> um, but it circles around these four chords, G, D, B minor, C, which the one chord is G, the five chord is D, the four chord is C, and then you've got a minor three chord, which is B. So 
It has verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, and it slightly changes in the bridge with the chord. Uh, there's one little change in that chord that we we hear there, and then it goes back to the chord, uh, the verse three and a chorus uh, after a, a, a interlude there. But so what happens? It goes G to D to B minor to C, so one to five to three minor three chord to four, and it keeps doing that over and over again. It's the same pattern until we get to the bridge where he does start lawn lines and warning signs. He takes and starts with the minor three chord and then goes to the four chord, then goes to the one, one, and then the five. So I'm sorry. It then goes, he goes from the minor three, sorry, to the five, to the one, to the four. And then he goes back to the G, G, D, B minor, C, that, that what we've heard all the time, but then it's naive, but make believe B minor again to D to G to C. So he just turns those chords. Mm. He, he moves them around and then he ends it with the G to D to B minor to C. We will never lose if we remove our shoes. And then it just goes back. So it's that four chord song, G (laughs) to D to B minor to C. So yeah, it sounds much more complex than that. Five, minor, three, four. <laughs> so very, very, um, very straightforward. Not a whole lot going there. Um, and that's pretty much it. Like, not much to say there as far as the chords. I do believe he ends on a four chord, but I need to double. I have to listen again. Hmm. But that it's a pretty straightforward song. Straightforward verses. Straightforward lyrics. Um and a pretty common um, form as far as verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus. So pretty easy for me this week. Well, I'm glad that it was easy. <laughs> for you. But I didn't take it easy on this one. <laughs> nice. Well, 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 we've got to take it back. Then we've got to take it easy, right? No, easy. Go, take it easy is just easy. Easy is its own thing. Yeah. Oh, that's easy. That's right. Take it so, easy is the easy. That's Eagles. right. It's just called easy. That's right. But I didn't. <laughs> and I didn't take it outside. I took it back. <laughs> <laughs> and I really like this. Take it back outside. <laughs> it's funny that you and I, before the show started, Heidi, were talking about uh, the next the the next song that we're going to be getting to and the next album um, that that it's off from because this song was actually written for everything to everyone, um, but they just it, it's funny that you say that like how simple this song is because. I mean, you didn't say it was simple, but it, it sounds simple, but then there's a complication to it. And I don't know what it was, but they weren't happy with this song. Like they recorded it for E to E, but they weren't record- happy with the way they recorded it. They weren't happy with the way it was. They loved the song, but it just wasn't coming out right. And then something changed when they came back to this to this song and they took it back. <laughs> um but yeah i i mean the the basic the basic breakdown of what they're playing for instruments is just them playing their normal instruments piano keys percussion electric guitar um electric bass 
acoustic guitar. It, it's very simple, um, but it's at the same time, like there's a lot to it. Right, right. I, I definitely echo that. And when it comes to the lyrics, like there are some things that they're doing during this song that is very... Um, very programmatic and I like oh, that yeah. programmatic stuff like when, when you know when we come to that third verse they they say um, it's hard to keep your mouth shut and everything goes really quiet or it's actually mm -hmm. quiet coming off that chorus and that bridge and they're, they're like they keep they have brought down all of the instruments at that point for the bridge and then it's just I think it's just Tyler and Kevin and then as soon as they say it's harder still to make noise, boom, boom, and then right into I it. love that. I love when he does that, actually. <laughs> it's hard to keep your mouth shut. Harder still to make noise. And I think it accentuates that point that he's making there so wonderfully that Sometimes we need to make noise. Sometimes we need to be talking about the things that we don't want to talk about or are scared to talk about. And it's little little bits in this song that maybe that's where they were like, yeah, we just couldn't make it feel right. And that those little things did. Or maybe it was Kevin's arpeggiation that he was like, what if I did this? And it adds, I think that Kevin's playing on this actually adds anxiety and energy to this song. Um, so when I hear those first notes, I'll play a little bit of it right here. It sounds almost like the beginning to Halloween. <laughs> and it's not exactly, it's calmer. Like when you listen to it, it's a little bit of a, like listening to just it and getting the feel of it, it's calmer than Halloween. But at the same time, for anyone who, who knows Halloween or, or Unsolved Mysteries and knows those, those sound bites, <laughs> like it's going to invoke this sense of anxiety in them a little bit. Um, I know just listening to the beginning of Unsolved Mysteries, whoever did the... The theme music for that was phenomenal because every time I would hear that, I would get goosebumps just hearing it. Um, and that's kind of how I start to feel when I hear the beginning of the song. And then it kind of mellows by going, I don't, I think you said it goes to the four or the five yeah. afterwards and it calms, it relaxes it yeah. a little bit. But that first set of notes really kind of like starts to wrinkle. And I think that's the, like, we'll get to the meaning of the song in a minute, but I think adding that in and doing it with the cadence that he's doing it really does invoke that anxiety enough to bring up your energy level. I agree. And, and that part really is the part where, um, the, the, the loud guitar, like that wake up call right there. I think that's important. Um, and it's interesting because Ed's the solo, um, version on that, he, 
is online. Um, he talks about, he says that he really likes the chorus. It's the first thing he wrote um, after 9-11, which is interesting because mm-hmm. I had not known that before. And then it really made sense. Now, granted, I made that equation uh, earlier I, the, or that connection earlier um, with the plastic knife. And we can talk about the lyrics in a minute too, but so there were, but I never really realized how close he was uh, when he was talking about that. That was the first uh, thing he wrote after and he really liked it. So. Betsy, do you have any pieces of the music that you want to highlight? Um. I think once we get into lyrics, I might touch a little on, on just some of the, um, well, there was some really great harmonies in the bridge, oh, like, yeah. uh, like, um, when they sang about, uh, we will never lose if we remove our shoes mm-hmm. and then they kind of like played with a little or like kind of went up and down a little bit and played with it. And, um, but now I think you touched on all the things that. Well, is to build on what you were saying, like that take it back. Take it back. Like they staged, they leveled that at points. Save me from a villainous imagination. I just, I, I don't know, I really love it. Well, and, and you, we were discussing before the show, Heidi, that like, this is one of those songs that I can't help but sing along to every single time it comes on. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like a rocker. It's not like their big band hit off this album. But at the same time, it just, it is a catchy song. Oh, it is very catchy, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. But I interrupted you. I'm sorry. <clears throat> oh, no. I was just going to say that, like, the stuff that you touched on before was stuff that I um, I, I agree with. So, yeah, that was the only thing I had to add at the time for, for music, anyway. Heidi, can you talk to me a little bit about the drumming that, that Tyler's doing on here? Because that He's is... got... I love what Tyler's doing. It's almost like a marching mm-hmm. thing. He's got that... He's, it's so subtle, and I think it's super effective. And I love how they build this song anyway. Um, but I, again, I think it's just really an effective, effective use of of snare on there with that slight shuffle, if you will, mm. almost like a train. Um, um, but very subtle, very uh, almost marching, like but it, without marching with a full snare drum, like it. I, I really like what he's doing there too. Well, again, it builds that. I, I, I yeah. associate it to building that energy and that anxiety again in that, that moment. It gives it structure, but it also makes you, your, it, it makes your heart actually start to kind of mirror what's going on, which means that the beat of your heart's going to increase. Oh, right. I, and it, the snare again, the percussion is the heartbeat of the band, right? Mm-hmm. And so the snare definitely has that feeling. And when that is moving faster, you like, it's you, that's why you need that rhythm section, mm-hmm. which is the drums, the bass and the guitar um, working in tandem. But the, the drum is that heartbeat that you need. So very cool. And snare drums are very kind of military-ish sounding. They are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Tyler just seems to know like what what to hit at what times. Like he just has this natural affinity yeah. to be able to know like okay, this song like fun and games. This song needs a military feel. I'm not going to go full military on it, but I'm going to hit the snare drum really fast and I'm going to do it with this slightly militaristic type feel to give it to to tell you, yeah, we're we're kind of getting political here. <laughs> yeah. Yep, the man's got a gift. Yeah, absolutely. All right, all right. I, I brought us down the music direction at far enough. We, we should get into the the lyrics. Um, now, I will say, I did not know for a very long time what this song was about. Um, I, I think that the when it came out, helped out with that. Um, I mean, there was a, it was a very distant period of time from when it was written to when it was released, which also added to that. Um, but let's talk a little bit about it. Betsy, I know that you were saying before you're struggling with it. So like, I know what this song's about because I've done the, you know, I was able to do some research and find out. Um, but I want to hear from someone who hasn't done that research, like what they think this is about. I honestly, well, there's some bits and pieces that I'll put in, but I really feel like it, it sounds like almost like a predecessor to New Disaster a little bit. Mm, okay. Um, kind of a similar theme of like, kind of living in the wake of media, social media, news, whatever, that is just kind of constantly bombarding you with bad news and anxiety and things that you kind of feel helpless over um, and things that are like kind of put into place to kind of make you feel like maybe it's helping like the whole plastic knives and things like that um, to, uh, you know, spare you injury when it's really not, you know, anything that's going to be significantly helpful, but maybe mentally it, it makes you feel safer somehow mm. um but um see you know what they so, were throwing down you're you're hitting it right on you're doing good okay okay all right i just uh, i usually go through it with like a fine tooth comb if i can't get every single line i'm like i don't know what this is about <laughs> but i i got kind of like a global sense of like like that was my feeling um there's kind of an element of um so when it starts out where they say it's hard enough to notice, harder still to react, just a stone's throw from the center of attention that we all fade to black. So to that, it's kind of like self-preservation to me in a sense of we kind of put blinders on ourselves um, to keep our sanity, you know, to keep from freaking mm -hmm. out. Like I've told several people, I'm like, I let my husband <laughs> watch the news and they'll filter down what I need to me because you know like w when you live with anxiety and, and you know uh, it doesn't take much to to tip you off mm -hmm. and it's kind of hard to figure out what's worth worrying about and what mm. you can just control in your own orbit yeah um, I, I agree with, so, with it as a person with anxiety disorder like yeah it, I have had to force myself to literally take the media in bits and pieces and yeah. choose to avoid media for for weeks to months on end at times not because i don't mm -hmm. care about what's going on in the world but because media is so incredibly 
created to cause anxiety and cause emotional reaction. Yeah. I mean, I want to be informed and aware, but it, it, it feels like, it feels like you can't kind of dip your toe into the news without like, you know, coming back with things that you don't intend to learn. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really hard to, get that filtration system mentally uh, in place because you, <laughs> you can just accidentally learn things you don't want to know that are going to give you nightmares <laughs> later. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, and it's just, it just happens. It's just the nature of the beast, unfortunately. Um, so that was the opening I don't know if it's chorus. It's not a chorus. Yep, the line one or whatever. Um, and so for the chorus, uh, the save me from the villainous imagination, deliver me from my friends. It kind of reminded me a little bit of like I was watching a video, a video on um, like sociopaths mm -hmm. and how they are just kind of wired a little differently in terms of like. I don't know what I'm doing is wrong. Well, or like a villainous imagination. And, you know, you could argue that maybe uh, sometimes that might be the line of thinking of, of sociopaths um, and delivering me from my friends is kind of like isolating too. So that would like intensify, mm -hmm. you know, this kind of toxic, you know, thinking. Once um, again, you are right on the right lines. You, you don't so have I the am, specific okay, good, good, topic. Good, good. But you have what they're trying to say okay. in this general idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think you're right on. Why, why don't we just kind of but, reveal the, yeah. we'll pull back the curtain so we can speak more specifically. But yes, I mean, you, you, the wizard. you've got the <laughs> idea of what's going on behind that curtain. And, you know, so I, what did you find, Heidi? Because I know what I have here, but... I, that's the only thing I really found. And, you know, in listening to this, I always really loved this song. Um, I, I, I like the more melancholy side um, of BNL, but as much yeah. as I like the fun side and the Muppet side of me, <laughs> um, but the, the lines, um, say, well, the, the chorus gets mm. me every time, every time. Um, and I think it's, I think it's very similar to what Betsy was saying, you know, the, the save me from a villainous imagination, deliver me from my friends. And I don't know if that's because we all have those thoughts sometimes of, and we think, you know, it, it's, it, it's not that they're dark thoughts or things. It, it could be dark thoughts or just bad ideas or, or stupid decisions that we make. Mm. And Sometimes our peer group pushes us to those decisions. Um, but then we always want to apologize too. If I said anything that's going to make you mad, I'll take it back. Um, and so sometimes like, cause you don't want your friend group to disown you and you want to still be friends, but I'm always putting my foot in my mouth. Like it just <laughs> seems like that's, that's. Same girl, same. <laughs> and I, and then I think about it forever like I still have a moment from high school that haunts my brain mm -hmm. and it wasn't an intentional thing but um I was 
but I said something in a very public setting and I did not mean like there was no harmful intent behind mm-hmm. it. And, but it really created a nasty situation. And, and, and I, you, you can't take it back. It's like the tube of toothpaste, what comes out, you yeah. can't back in the tube and it's really challenging. Um, and then you start making the connections to reality of, of things going on in the greater world that we don't even notice sometimes because we're so busy with our own world. Mm-hmm. Um, or we, uh, we look at everything through the lens of a movie or something. Well, that can't really be happening. Oh, it happens in movies all the time, but that's not a movie. It's real life. Mm -hmm. There is a war going on in Ukraine. It's not like they show it in movies about wars. You know, it's, it's, there's a whole other. There's a surrealness to it. There's a sense of realness and it's um, and this line always has gotten me because I was teaching on 9-11 mm-hmm. I, and I, I remember, and I may it. have told this story before mm-hmm. that I was teaching guitar class and the student, we turned on the television and the students were just glued to this old, big, huge tube TV that was in my room. Mm-hmm. And it was that old, you know, I'm that old. And mm-hmm. I had a student come in and go, oh, I've seen this movie before right before the second tower came down. And I said, this is not a movie, but that line of, it's hard enough to stomach, but try to look away. Is this a news report or a trailer for a motion picture? Mm-hmm. Every time yeah. I hear that lyric, I think of that student that walked in and said, oh, I've seen that movie. Mm-hmm. Is that like whatever, whatever the movie was that was big at the time, that was a big action movie. Yeah. And I think every time we see a movie where the Eiffel Tower collapses or always like Independence Day, where you they always choose the White House and the Capitol Records building in L.A. and the Hoover Dam. And, well, you know, and, and just before and the Empire State Building. 9-11 happened, Spider-Man was supposed to tear down the towers incidentally, accidentally. And they had right. to rewrite that whole end of the movie because they're like, we won. No. No. <laughs> and this idea yeah. that it all fades yeah, to gray. Okay. And I think of some of the common, I am not, and let me repeat this very much. I do not believe that uh, like Marilyn Manson's music was, was responsible for Columbine. Right. I do not believe that music or videos or music is the reason or like you can't blame it on this stuff. But when it he says, is it a news reporter or a trailer for a it all fades to gray because I do think we blur the line mm-hmm. sometimes. We become mm-hmm. so just dis, this, dis, um, what's the word there, Mr. Psychologist? Or- Not disenfranchised, but where you, where you just, like kids that are playing um, video games and video games and shooting them up video games well, and then they, become they desensitized. watch a movie and they become yeah. so desensitized, right? to it and they don't see it it all kind of blends together and fades to grace so when you have a student come in and something real really is happening on television and they think it's a movie clip and you're like whoa yeah and then you start to realize too in that moment please you know take these horrible thoughts from me and make me a better person Mm -hmm. like i think of of alan jackson's song where were you in the world stopped turning as a result of 9-11 and what everybody may have been thinking or feeling and he, how he touched on so many people and what they might've been thinking and going through in the aftermath. And I was like, be a better person, 
be a kinder person, do things with kindness and joy and love. And, and that was, as we all go through that in times of crisis, we're like, well, I, that is, that was a lesson for me to live each day to the fullest or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I, I think it's really interesting that he puts it right. Like he goes right into that chorus. Uh, it all fades to gray right after that, that particular um, um verse and then the long lines and warning signs that's the airport right there that is you know all the airport of this any yeah any anybody that flew or tried to travel post 9 11 it was really really and we you know taking off your shoes uh we will never lose if we remove our shoes how many like the shoe bomber right after that and i was just gonna really like go to that and the plastic knives i still like we, i i'm on a lot of crochet groups and everybody's like can i take my crochet hook on the plane um oh, and as a crocheter and you have to be aware of the kinds of scissors you bring you can bring kid scissors or i have a, a pendant that works really well um but to be aware of what you pack you need to empty your water containers you can't bring your big shampoo bottles but and so that's going to save I'm sorry, but if somebody really wants to bomb a plane, they're going to bomb a plane. Like, I hate to say this. I really, really do. But I think that this whole section. Okay. So I'm going to take what you did and I'm going to take some of the heat off you for a second, Heidi. Um, I'm going to play. So at the time that they were recording this album, um, Ed was doing podcasts every single week while they were in the studio. Toward the end, Ed was out doing other stuff, so he wasn't available for the podcast. So, so Steve kind of took over. Um, and hold on, I gotta move this out of the way so I can play it. Um, and, and so this is what Steve had to say about this song. I'm gonna play for you one of my uh, favorite songs from Bare Naked Ladies Are Me. It's an older song, a song we actually wrote uh, for Everything to Everyone and weren't really happy with the recording of it, although we've always liked the song. And it was written, Ed and I wrote it about, um, you know, po- it's, it's a post 9-11 song, I guess. And it's, it's about uh, trying to figure out the root of where hatred comes from in this world and, and, and why people would be attacking our way of life and what it was, looking at our own selves and trying to figure out what we can do to, uh, to change this pattern. But the bridge is one of my favorite things, and 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 with the recent uh, with the recent um, arrests in London, um, it made us think. I, I had to play this. The, it, the changes in airport security, which I think are quite often laughable, um, are reflected inside this this uh, bridge right here. Think of all the lives saved by plastic knives. Um, so now there's no gels or liquids, 
So what we have pledged to do as a band is before walking on an airplane, we will actually evacuate our bodies of all gels or liquids, including things like uh, blood, uh, uh, lymphatic fluid, stomach uh, juices. Um, and we will just let Finn, our tour manager, carry us as kind of, um, you know, uh, limp bags of flesh. Uh, onto the plane, and then hopefully rehydrate us when we land at our next at our destination. Um, that's really going to stop terrorism, right there. Wow, that's disgusting. <laughs> Steve, Steve was. A little more acerbic and and angry than you there, Heidi. <laughs> kind of pales what you said a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, well, it's true. I mean, it, it's it's it was one of those like we all. I, I'd rather take the precautions and be safe, but in the long run, when you think about it, like plastic fork, going to Sporks, um, everything is plastic. I like and. And uh, again, that shampoo bottle, like all of the things that we've done and it's the things we can't, it's, it's, it's uh -huh. just incredibly frustrating, I think, for so many people. And it, uh -huh. it kind of echoes too yeah. the post-COVID times in some ways, uh -huh. where pre-COVID, remember we were all about the metal straws and reusable straws and things and now they've moved to paper straws because they disintegrate and they're terrible i hate paper mm -hmm. straws especially with a milkshake but now um they because um you don't want to reuse anything anymore so you'd even go into fancy restaurants or even at disney and everything was a sport and paper plates and it was like some places still haven't returned to silverware. <laughs> so it's okay. So, I mean, not, not to equate the same thing. It's not the same as blowing up a plane, obviously, but it's like the things that we do that I think sometimes go overboard in reaction to something. And I think that's what this is pretty much like, take, we can't take it back. Like right. we took away flexible seating in classrooms and put kids back in, orderly lines and right. which are completely not conducive to learning whatsoever mm -hmm. and we made them sit at desks for six hours a day and we took away recess and we took away collaborative education mm -hmm. and we put them again in rows instead of letting them spread out and figure out you know and, and collaborate problems and once we, we took all of that away and now they're saying oh we messed up yeah. Because our kids are now not doing well. It's, well, it's hard to, to go back on that. It's hard to change it, it back really to those is. things. As a person that works in a school, like we did like for lunches where you were, that's when you removed your masks. And it, because of the safety, you had to have everyone sitting at their own desks. There was no more talking. There was no more playing during nope. lunch or, or talking we across the table. Like, and, and so we, we let them watch movies, also not allowed. But and, and we'd read books to them and stuff like that. I mean, and those of us that were really good at it would find good things to do with these kids. But at the same time, it did a disservice to them. And as we try to go back, it's actually really hard to do that. Because mm -hmm. as a person that goes in and does lunch duty every week, 
I have a hard time going back and, and being like, oh, they're playing games at lunch. I'm like, wait, no, they're playing games. Let them play games. Sure. I love reading to them. Sure. I love yes. showing them a movie that I love. They're playing games. They're laughing. Absolutely. They're getting along. They're learning social skills. Let that happen. My son is in seventh grade and he, of course he COVID happened at the end of fourth grade for him and all of fifth grade and part of sixth grade. And for a boys, you know, going through a certain period of time, their hormones are over. Like he became, he was very sensitive. He hated everything. Um, and he was a good kid. He's a really good kid. Mm-hmm. And it broke my heart. He came home the other day and now he's in seventh grade at at lunch, they're still not allowed to hardly talk to each other. They're still separated up. They they don't have any recess. They don't have any break. These are very energetic 13-year-old boys. And it. I was so angry with the whole cafeteria thing because they all... They, they only get one chance per day to socialize with their friends Mm -hmm. because they're literally quarantined to each classroom. And like you said, it's now so hard for anybody to get back to that. And I think like some, and I'm, I'm a lifelong educator. I now educate educators. I have a PhD in education. And I will tell you, we may not be able to get back for a long time yeah, no. to what we did before. Music is dead. Like it's dying. Mm-hmm. Music, music programs in schools are dying. And because music got hit the hardest, mm-hmm. we couldn't play. We couldn't sing. You couldn't yep. like there were, it was brutal to so many, especially smaller rural school areas mm-hmm. because, and, there was it was it was catastrophic well and so it's music gonna take years is... to rebuild and we also had some teachers that then got in that mindset especially if you were coming into the field new and then you became this this mask you know the the whole you pull your mask up and you can't talk and then so you became this angry person because you were you were um, being restricted you were doing the things that you were told you had to mm-hmm. do to keep everybody safe. And now trying to dial it that back and be friendly is not easy. So right. I think I, even more so, I'm sorry I went on a rant, no, but I think it does I have think connection. Even more so for music teachers than any other teacher. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, like, no, no, no. I, I see music teachers really struggling right now. And I think part of the reason behind that is as you were saying, like music is a interactive and participatory thing and if you can't do that like it is boring to teach staff it is boring to teach music notes it is boring to teach the fundamentals behind music or it's boring for the kids second first third graders etc aren't going to want to sit there and learn musical notes and things like that they want to engage play in... and sing and perform right. and, and they like couldn't... make music and make noise yes yeah. and so now they are like what how what is this how why do we do that like what when i do we have fun fridays at my school and one of the things that that i like to do is i just take them downstairs mm-hmm. and let them play on the instruments like the people that have earned it they just literally make noise for 15 to 20 minutes i take out my ear hearing aids um and <laughs> let them make noise and then at the end i kind of say wow that was a lot of noise huh they're like yes <laughs> i'm like that, did you like it? Yes, it was fun. Did, did it sound good? No. And I'm like, okay, so the stuff your music teacher's trying to teach you, that's to make it sound good 
so you're having fun and sounding good. So make sure you're being good to her. But they need that time of just making noise and absolutely having fun with they it. do. Um, and to dial it back to to this song, because it was you know that's obviously not about COVID, but could very easily be transitioned into a discussion because any major crisis this happens with the the things that changed after nine eleven. They were doing so to try to save the country. They were doing so to try to right. protect people. And but in doing so, like things that happened then, we don't need any more, and yet we still do them. For for example, I don't know if you guys remember, people didn't have assigned seats. I mean, you had assigned seats, but no one ever sat in their assigned seats on an airplane pre-9-11. Oh, no. um, families would sit far away from each other. They would split families up on the plane most often. Now it's very, like, very regimented. Like, you get your seat, you stay in your seat. You're not even supposed to change seats with your kid type of right. regimented. And they haven't let up on that even, even though we really don't have that level of disaster anymore because it's hard to go back once you've set those regulations in place absolutely we can't take it back we want to take right. it back and 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 it's like do we really know now um how well it, it's funny because the my college i was i was shocked when i first got a, a college job because they get a break after five weeks uh, in early October. And the reasoning was for student mental health. And we've had it for decades now that students need a break after five weeks. I'm like, high school kids, we never got our first break wasn't until Thanksgiving. And that wasn't even a full week. And we didn't get a break till Christmas. And I'm like, is there still data that requires that says this is the right thing. Mm -hmm. Like we're, but, but well, it's too hard to go back because everybody expects mm -hmm. that, that break right. in October. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's like the same thing. Well, it's really hard to go back since we threw all of that flexible seating and storage somewhere or tossed it. And now we've got all of these things. What happened to all of the plastic shields that divided desks, mm -hmm. the hundreds and thousands of dollars that teachers spent on face shields and those plastic dividers so that kids would be at their desks in these little cubby holes. And where did all those go? Yeah. Like they're, it weren't where did and and what happened to the comfortable things the things that we were really moving forward with in terms of classroom design and making them more inviting and more learning environment rather than classroom space and and we're getting and back to those really and it's hard to go back it is because and, and teachers you, are really oh, we moved the music teachers out of their classrooms and turned them into storage spaces mm -hmm. and now those music teachers still don't have classrooms because well, we gave that classroom to somebody else. So it's going to be really hard now to go back and try to convince them to do something else because like, it's a whole thing. We go too far and then we, we don't know how to deal with the repercussions. Yeah, it's hard to dial it back. And, and, I, and we can, there are ways to dial it back, but it is a fight to then. Well, people that are working from home now that, and now employers are saying, we want you to come back to the office. And people are like, screw you. Why? <laughs> I'm very happy working from home yeah. because it's really hard to give something to somebody like that, which I loved being remote. I love being in the classroom. That's mm -hmm. where I'm best. That's where I would much rather be. But it was nice walking down the stairs and just popping on the computer and being like, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> let's go. Um, and then I can get a snack and I can go pee and I can go, oh, hold on. 
like it's crazy. I can dress from here up. Um, yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I want to go back to 9-11 and, no, well, let me re-say that. Um, let me go back to the context of this Wait, song. You need, you need um, that uh, family guy, like, oh, snippet. No. 9-11, where, do, have you ever seen that? Where Lois <laughs> is running for mayor and, and they're like, all you have to say, Brian's like, all you have to say is 9-11. And so they're like, well, how do you feel about women and da 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 and she's like 9 11. <laughs> and yeah i just World put that key. in <laughs> so um but i look at the lines and i and i definitely see i mean it could be attributed to any major crisis it's hard enough to notice harder still to react like thinking of 9 11 like the shock that happened in that moment and with oh, any God. major crisis the shock of like it's hard enough to notice that it's gone with covid like for months we ignored the fact that this was happening even though all the major experts around the world were saying december and january they were like um we have a major pandemic coming we weren't mm -hmm. we weren't paying attention to it we weren't reacting to it it was right. just a stone throw from the center of our attention and it was therefore unimportant until all of a sudden it became important and we started overreacting and having big reactions to it um and, and i like I, that i do love that line because when you think about it that's how we as humans our brains are set up to think that way like we are there yeah. to notice negative things but not all the negative things only the ones that are important enough in that moment other than that we off we don't attenuate mm -hmm to those things because if we attenuated to every single tiny little thing we would go insane so it's hard for us to notice and to to react to it but once we react we react oh absolutely <laughs> um and then that comes to the second verse it's hard enough to stomach but try to look away every single time that anyone's i mean we all have this the analogy of the car wreck but how many times and i, I i'm gonna give my own report on this but how many times did you watch the towers collapse and get hit over I, and over. i've watched it i would easily say over 500 times oh absolutely because it's one of those moments that even though i don't want to watch it because of the surrealism i can't help but pull myself away from it either and watch it happen again and again and I think that's our brains also in some ways. I mean, I know the psychology of it is the, that's our brains in some way trying to one come up with a, a, to make it seem less surreal, but, and to have an explanation for it, but two, to try to be like, what could I take from this? How do we prevent this? And our brains are trying to, to learn from it and make sense of it. And, and it's an overwhelming thing that we can't make sense of. And because, I, again yeah, because of that kind of a way of like our brain then says yourself from it, well it's, so it it's not real it's a it's, a it's a trailer for a motion picture it's it can't right. be an actual thing yeah. and it does then get that surreal feeling so our bodies can adapt to it and it all fades to gray right mm -hmm. right um and then i love that 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 last verse it's hard to keep your mouth shut harder still to make noise like it we're all we're all subject to this where we all have our opinions but it's also hard to actually stand up and make actual change happen in in the mm -hmm. right way we we all made noise we all talked 
but how many people actually stood up and made noise and, and did something active to, to make things better. Um, right. I would say we did better with COVID than we did with 9-11 in terms of reacting to it. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of us did. And I will. I am one of the first people to say so that I had a hard time keeping my mouth shut. But in terms of what I actually did to, to make something change, I, I wasn't great. I was in my early 20s like that. It, that's not a great age for no. for reacting in a positive way um right and, and i'll admit that i did not do a great job with that but ed makes a very good point there that as human beings especially when we're young we don't do good with that and i think the harden um the hard to keep your mouth shut harder still to make noise also is that it's when when that happened it's it's hard to not scream and yell and 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 be angry or give your opinion and this was pre-social media mm -hmm. um and it's harder still to say anything because you're not sure what to say or what to do and you're kind of like you're in that limbo of i'm not sh like if I say something, it might be the wrong thing. And then if uh. I, it's and even, and again, it's, it's so funny because this is so relevant, even still today, like COVID, you couldn't <laughs> say anything that's, because that's like, I was afraid to cough in a grocery level. store a lot of mm -hmm. times because I was always like, no, it's just, my throat is really dry. I'm so sorry. And I was wearing a mask and everything, but still like there was this, I didn't cough, feeling, I farted. All lies around you. And so it was hard to stay quiet, but it was, yeah, it was hard. And for, for some of us who I, I do value my bubble, I was really appreciative of bubbles. Mm -hmm. um, but it's sometimes really hard to, to, to say your piece at another time you're, you're really struggling because you don't know what to say or how to say it without saying the wrong thing that you would have to take back. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's just a constant. I think that this song is, is relevant to a lot of situations and, and it it's really um, it's not just 9-11. No. It can be tied to a lot of reactions that we have uh -huh. um, to various tragedies or or plagues or pandemics or things that. And again, it's hard to go backwards. You go 20 steps forward when you probably should have gone four, and 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 that and in some cases it's probably wise in some cases we you know making that decision to shut down probably saved millions of lives um but then did we stay too long right. <laughs> was two years too long could we have you know really started to wean back a little bit earlier and not have you know had remote learning for as long as we did like so there are so many things we don't know um that you couldn't possibly know. Um, and and like I just watched the documentary on anthrax when all the anthrax mm -hmm. things were happening. And um it's on Netflix. And I think it's on Netflix. It and it was like I forgot about all of that. But the postal workers that died, like maybe they should have. And the postal worker that survived was like, we were standing there working and we're watching these guys in hazmat suits coming in, and we're like, should we be? 
Um, should we? And well, then everybody started getting sick and dying. And going back to that, that was a case where they should have shut it down right. and like gotten everybody out. But but going back to that, like so the standby the is always twenty twenty, right? The bystander effect, like it's hard enough to notice, harder still to react. We tend right. to in those moments, if the more people that we are surrounded by, yeah, we we notice yeah. it if it if it's big yeah. enough. But even then, we don't we don't react most of the time because of the bystander effect right you're absolutely right so even like it's, what you're saying like small things right somebody has to do it and who's it going to be and sometimes i just don't keep my mouth shut anymore yeah. like it's it's amazing what age and experience do for you mm -hmm. like if i see something in a store that i am not like if i see a parent berating a child i won't hold my tongue anymore um, if I see somebody being inappropriate or somebody being rude, I yeah. don't hold my tongue anymore mm -hmm. because, well, it's my kid. You know what? Yes, it's your child, but this is a public space and you shall not hit your child. And mm -hmm. like, we have to do better. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that series. What would you do? Yes. Um, which I love watching that series because I like to think like, 20 years ago, I kept my mouth shut a lot. I was very nervous uh -huh. speaking to adults in general. I didn't even, you know, well, I'm almost 50 now. So, okay, maybe like 30 years ago, <laughs> I was, yeah, 30 years ago, in my 20s, I would not have been so brave. No. Yeah. And now I know too much and I don't even care what anybody thinks anymore. Uh -huh. I don't know you. You don't know me. I'm going to tell you when I think you're being inappropriate. If you're going to put somebody down in my presence, you will feel my wrath. <laughs> and that's all there is. <laughs> that's what I love about you, Heidi. Your F's to give. <laughs> so when somebody comes up and tries to, you know, be all witchy to Betsy, I'll take him out. I'll, I'll, I will take. I'll carry my Nancy Kerrigan pipe and everything. I'll tell you, heart that bitch. I swear to God. Although I will say, when I if I get in the right if I get in the right zone, I can probably burn some people down appropriately. But but I do appreciate the offer. <laughs> Take it outside is next week. Yeah. The, the two of you, the two of you really hit me as people that would definitely take ground. it outside if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm normally pretty calm and peaceful, but uh, there's a few things that cross the line that I would probably stand up for myself for. So, all right, I would like to. Say oh, by the way, next week's song is "Take It Outside." <laughs> ah. Um. I, I I do want to kind of go and back I real quick to the chorus too. too. I know, <laughs> funny, isn't it? And that song's about backing down. Years apart, and then the well, actually, same album when so it was weird. written, but completely different point of view. <laughs> like "Take It Outside" is E to E. This song was written for E to E. I don't think it would have fit on E to E. Oh. I think that this is the, this is the right album for this, and I think they they took the time to make it sound right. Um, I do want to kind of one right. more thing about the chorus. Like as a person, I, I have always thought of myself as a um, extrovert, but I mean, as an introvert, but uh, I, I, the more I grow, the more I realize 
I'm kind of this balanced person, and I am in a lot of ways an extrovert. I think what has always prevented me from from understanding that is that I have massive amounts of social anxiety. I'm always worried that of what I'm saying, am I going to make people mad? Um, and I think that's what I took out of the song for the very longest time um, until I read that just recently that this was about 9-11. Like for mm. me, like I didn't understand the course because that's where it actually becomes about 9-11. Um, but for me, this was always about the fact that, like, save me from a villainous, villainous a vanilla imagination. Vanilla imagination. Um, <laughs> it's about vanilla sky, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, save me from a villainous imagination. Like, save me from saying things that I come up with in my head or save me from other people thinking mean and bad things about my intentions about what I'm saying deliver me from my friends like i exiting a party was always a a great thing but also a sad thing for me because i loved time with my friends but i was always worried about what came out of my mouth and what the repercussions were and like you had said earlier um like i would spend the next three hours after a gathering reviewing all of the things i said and all the ways that it could have been misinterpreted and all the ways that i misinterpreted it as well and what i misinterpreted about other, i i would get up into my head for so many hours and deal with so much anxiety until i found the right medication because mm -hmm. my anxiety would get so incredibly bad and i would always go back and apologize to people if i said something that made you mad i, I i'm so sorry like that was me the next day after any social gathering to the, and if Bobby were still here, he'd be like, yes, that is totally a Tracy thing to do. Like <laughs> I lived with him and it was like, at, because I lived with him, it was all, we were, he was always apologizing to me because yeah, I, that, that was me and that's social anxiety to a T. So that was what this song for me yeah, meant I think for a long time. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think we've yeah, all, totally I don't know anybody. Well, my husband has that level of confidence that I just don't have. He says that regret is a wasted emotion. And I still like, sometimes still even I'm like, I said something <laughs> and then I replay that whole thing in my head over and over and over again. And somebody, and if I say to them weeks or months or years, I, I like, this has plagued me. They're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but yet it's, it's in my brain. Like that moment from my <laughs> freshman year in high school still mm -hmm. lives in my brain. Still lives there. And the girl that I, it was, I mm -hmm. giggled about something and I, it wasn't direct. It was a nervous giggle, but the time of it happened when the, this, we were, we were at cheerleader tryouts and I was a, a horrible, I have no, no grace or athletic ability whatsoever. You've got school spirit. <laughs> and the girl in front of me went, and we'd been in school together for a, a long time. And, but I had, I was so nervous because we had a crazy good cheerleading squad. And in fact, one of them went on to the Patriots. Like it was, she was really, really great. Um, and I was so nervous because we're freshmen. Our chances are wow. like nothing. And and I was in line and what, and I was just it's so nervous. And when I get nervous or at funerals, I get the giggles. It's the giggle. <laughs> it's just like You're the kind of girl that laughs at a funeral. I, mm. yeah, I just, I do. I, I, and I can't, it, it's, it's a nervous twitch. And so right. the girl in front of me went and did her cartwheels and stuff. And I just giggled really loudly about me, not her. 
And she yeah. didn't hear it. Nobody really, but oh, no. I don't think she heard it, but other people heard it and then assumed that I was giggling and making fun of her, which I was not. She was one of the most popular girls, right? Um, but I still, why is it that mm-hmm. item still haunts me? And if I told her, uh, I'm sure she'd be like, what are you even talking mm-hmm. about? Like, it's so insane that that lives in my head. And mm-hmm. I wish I could take that moment back every time it's so bananas yeah but i can't <laughs> so on that note Betsy. well i was just trying to find a way to transition i'm like how do i transition that i do want to bring up like you, you said betsy uh really quickly that, that you brought up the line from one week and that ed recently released a mm. on I want to say it was Instagram. Um, someone made a they're, they're it might TikTok. Yeah. Uh, one of those two platforms. They made a video about um, they. Th- this person made this reaction to that line in one week about laughing at a funeral, and Ed responded to it with a video saying why where that line came from. We didn't include it on our thing because it came out after, but. Ed actually says that that line is because he himself was laughing at his, in the middle of his brother's funeral because he was so feeling so awkward. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's what that line was really about. Right, right. I'm like, wow, that is really Another cool. <laughs> Social misstep, but yeah. 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 Um, uh, did you guys happen to listen? I, I don't know if you guys even have it, um, but if you ordered the disc as a two set when you when it was first released you got the all new review um disc set to you in between um and the all new review was them playing 13 of the songs acoustically at the glenn gould studio um this is one of those songs that they played acoustically um and i don't know if you happen to listen to this to that version yeah, I did. I didn't like it quite as much as the studio version. I kind of like the polish and the more bells and I whistles. I like the original the as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. It, the music's softer. Something. Yeah. Yeah. The the music is much softer. Um, we don't get that slam of noise on the it's, third voice. kind of what you need. Verse. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know it's, why they decided not to go with that. Like you're saying kind of programmatic um, and everything. It's it's with, without yeah. that kind of like, you know, musical backup of the intention of the song, it, it definitely loses something. Yeah, well, and uh, the other thing that happens in the original recording is that in that middle, um, before every chorus, the music picks up. Like there's a big musical hit and the, the intensity of the music increases. Mm-hmm. And when they played it live, they didn't do that. It was just about the same level throughout the whole entire song. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I wasn't as wowed with it. Um, because of that, you could hear Tyler's drumming and Kevin's piano a lot more. Um, and the the harmonies are just angelic on it. Yeah. Um, but it just it doesn't play as well. And I, and I could see like if that's what it was originally when they were playing around with it and it wasn't working, I could see why it wasn't working. Right. Yeah. Who was the 
person that did the producing on this album? Um, was it uh, produced? Oh, B and L produced it, and Bob Clearmountain mixed it. And it was recorded by Susan Rogers. Yeah, Susan and Rogers, yeah. So, okay. So, obviously, like, I'm betting this is, again, Susan Rogers having a little bit of playing around with it, Bob Clearwater having a little playing around with it, and they really made it something that was just phenomenal. We should probably move on to ratings, though. We've been talking for an hour. <laughs> it's worth noting that Master by Bob Ludwig in Portland, Maine. Ooh. May 2006. Nice job. <laughs> I can read. <laughs> I know words. I don't know. I can't read the words anymore. <laughs> I, I've lost that ability. So, yeah, what do you think um, of the ratings then? Um, let's do how many... Plastic knives. I love it. I like that. I like that. <laughs> how many plastic knives do you give this song that they can't take back? <laughs> Once they give this plastic knife to you, they cannot take it back. Nope. I'm going to go to you first, Betsy, this week. Oh, me. Um, no, I really... Just because I see that Heidi is, is saying goodnight to her kid. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I really like this song a lot. And usually, as, as it's kind of like the podcast effect, whatever I think I'm going to give it, it usually increases after I hash it out with you guys so um i think just to be succinct i'll give you my score yeah i think i would give it a 4.3 plastic knives okay 4.3 plastic knives all right that works heidi I, what about you how many plastic I'm knives going do you bigger. give this um i give this i really <laughs> do love this thing i have for a very long time i'm giving this 4.8 um, plastic knives. Four point eight plastic knives. All right. Four point eight. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna find the middle spot right the between sweet the two spot of you. In I, between us? I don't think it's that kind <laughs> of show. I did not say that. I did not. <laughs> no, you pretty much said it. Pretty much fine. dead. We get it. We get it a lot. It's fine. We got the right <laughs> stuff, baby. <laughs> um, I I really like this song, and I I struggled with finding a good spot for this, but I think for me this is a four point six two. Wow, that's specific. <laughs> it's right right below second best. Okay. Like, okay. Second best is four point six three. I was like, all right, just yeah, under that. Um, so yeah, I really. I really like this song. Um, it's enjoyable. I can't help but sing along to it. It's it's wonderful. Um, um, the BNL history this week in BNL history. This week in BNL history. Um, this week on February 12th, um, in 1993 is the week that BNL shot Be My Yoko Ona the day before they left for the Gordon tour. <laughs> and go, hey, and Yoko Ono provided the footage she did of herself well. she was, and John Lennon. She was very, very good. I did, I did enjoy that part. 
Like that, that takes some guts to go, you know what? These guys are respectful. I'm yeah. going to give these guys the footage for, for this. Yeah. They befriended her son and yeah. Yeah. That's very nice. So, um, and then the other, the other big thing that happened this week was on February 13th in 2002, not the next day, like the next day. And then like nine years later, <laughs> um, BNL performed at the Olympic Metal Plaza in Salt Lake City for the Olympics. Nice. Wow. Was that the one so where that, Ed was wearing the the um the skating suit? That was, yes. <laughs> and it's also what the one where they had the Canadians come up on stage. Yes, yeah, yeah. So that was a momentous thing in their in their timeline, I believe. They had never played the Olympics before that. They will, and we'll come back to this next week. Well, four days for us. Um, <laughs> they will play the Olympics again, but yeah. They didn't play them this year, though. How dare you, That's just NBC? Wrong. <laughs> wrong, wrong, I say. <laughs> they should have gone up there and played New Disaster while they're skiing. You know, like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe flip. Flip yeah, would have been perfect been when, during ice skating competition. Flip! Yeah. I mean, it just it practically choreographs itself. See? Scott Brown, why didn't you make that happen? <laughs> um, <laughs> guys. Flip. Thank you so much for oh, coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being there. The whole world sank it. The whole world sank it. Yeah, thank you. Heidi, we missed you last week. I'm so mashed potatoes. Hey, Tracy looks great. Betsy is terrific. Thank you. Sorry, I am. I really get excited about Bob's Burgers. We've been missing you the last couple I, of weeks, I, Heidi. I have it's been great missing, to have you back. Um, I'm not missing you at all. No, I've been missing everybody <laughs> as well. Uh, oh it's like it's just a cluster of fun. <laughs> I need to start eliminating things. I have one more year on one thing. I've got uh, one more year on another thing. I like two it, a year from now. I wipe off like 47 things off my plate. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. You're not wiping us yeah. off. We're going to yeah. find another way to you're keep this going. You're, you're never yeah. going to give yeah. me up. You're never going to let me down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just get referrals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, it's been real. Thanks. That was fun. Don't forget. No regrets. Except maybe one. It's NFL draft season. And that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 